winning. Look at somebody say winning. Winning side. We win. I read the last page, the last book, and it says that we win a tree of life, a river of freshness, the, the ability to live with God forever. We're looking forward to that day. If you brought your Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to go with me to 1 Peter, the 5th chapter and the 8th verse. And this morning, for a few minutes, I'd like to talk a little bit about the strategies of Satan. I believe it's important to know that there is an enemy. I believe it's important to know that he has strengths and he has weaknesses. But right out of the bat, I'm going to tell you, our enemy was defeated at Calvary. And the blood sealed his demise. And there will come a day when he will wind up in the lake of fire forever. And we will be in the presence of God forever. Uh, I know that this past week, because of some interviews I heard on uh, 106, that the uh, Tennessean team spent hours watching Georgia's defense, watching Georgia's offense, so they could be, be aware of their plays and their strategies. And Georgia obviously has a very strong running game. And uh, strategically, uh, they're one of the, probably one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, all I can say is that Tennessee probably didn't observe them enough because they got beat bad. And I know that somewhere in heaven, Angel has a cooler of red Kool-Aid that he is waiting for an opportunity to catch Austin when he's not looking and douse Austin with that Georgia Bulldog fervor. We know, that, uh, we know that there is an enemy and we know that we are at war. Uh, very uh, powerful scripture, Josh, concerning the last days. In Daniel 7.25, it's revealed to Daniel that the strategy of the enemy in the last days will be, number one, to speak blasphemies against the things of God. Right. And number two, to wear out, to wear down, to frustrate to irritate, to uh, distract the saints of the Most High. That is, that is his purpose, and that is his strategy. 1 Peter 5 and 8 declares, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, more and more in America and in the world do we see... Uh, the, observ the observance of evil, there's actually a, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or not, guys. I might just get the handheld. Uh, we know that throughout the world, one half of the world's population believes in demon possession. Uh, Eighty times the word demon is found in the Bible. Six times evil spirit. Twenty-three times unclean spirit. Thanks, we'll just go with that. Yes, that right there. I think I, I, think I can Drama with, the, drama with the microphone. Uh, but aren't you glad for a sound crew that can handle anything? They, they get on it, don't they? They can handle anything. So there is obviously a strategy. There's always a plan. Uh, John 10 and 10 says the thief comes for three reasons, to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, last week we visited and, and shared with you the only three aspects of the enemy's strategy that can affect you. 
and that is through temptation, through accusation, and through deception. And if you'll look at the very first time the Word of God was spoken in the Bible, the devil quotes Scripture to Eve, and he makes the statement, Hath God said? And the first thing that the enemy tried to do was to tempt her to look at the fruit and determine if she eats the fruit, it was good to eat, temptation. And then he asked Eve, Hath God said, yada, yada, yada. So he begins to accuse God and question God's authority and integrity. And then he told her, this will make you wise. And there he comes to deceive her. So he tempted her, he accused God, and he deceived her. The Bible says that we are going to go through temptation, we're going to go through accusation, we're going to go through deception, because that's the way he rolls. But we have an example in the Bible. His name is Jesus. Jesus' temptation took place in a garden, well-fed, well-watered, well-taken care of. The Lord was tempted after he had fasted 40 days. He's in a wilderness where the weather is, the heat is atrocious during the day and freezing by night. And in this wilderness scenario, the enemy came, and he tried to tempt, he tried to accuse, and he tried to deceive. And the first thing the enemy tried to tempt Jesus with was the pleasure of life. Turn your stones into bread, eat, get full, be happy. We talked last Sunday about the temptation of the enemy to try to get us to put things in our mouth or in our body that brings us pleasure or brings us joy. And uh, I think that if you've been around anybody that drinks, rarely will an alcoholic tell you that the alcohol tastes good, but they go after the buzz. Can I relate? There's a reason why you do that. There's a reason why you eat pills. There's a reason why you snort meth. There's a reason for all that because it begins to enhance the body senses and it places you in a false utopia. And the challenge with that, what you did yesterday is never enough today. So you have to increase your appetite, increase your diet, put more and more and more to eventually you wind up that you don't have it, but it has you. And that's what the enemy tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness. He said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. Three times the enemy came and tried to tempt Jesus. And then he came and he tried to say, hey, if you'll cast yourself down from here, you'll be like God and try to operate in, in pride. And I know that every one of us want to do well in life. Every one of us want to be well thought of. But if we're, if we're not careful, we'll allow, allow pride to overcome every area of ministry, every area of legacy, and we lose. And Jesus dealt with that again and said, it is written, the Lord thy God, him only shall thy serve. And then he tried to get him to, at a, at, a, at a pinnacle, he tried to show him, if you do this for me, I'll give you power. And that's the way the enemy rules. If you sell your soul to the enemy, the enemy will try to think that he can give you power. When in reality, he has no power to give. He was defeated foe at Calvary. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? When the blood of Jesus was shed, the devil lost, and he is now a loser, and he knows it. He knows that his day is coming. He knows that his time is coming. He, he realizes that he's running out of time. So his strategy today in your life is to wear you out with drama, wear you out with bills, wear you out with physical challenges, wear you out with people. Uh, Al and I traveled a couple hours yesterday, and uh, I drove all the way, and then on the way back, he wanted to drive a little bit, and I let him drive, and we encountered road rage, and we had to repent, and we had to ask the Lord to forgive us, and he did, but even the calmest, even the most normal people like Al, I mean, soft like a, like a pussycat tender and all of that, just, a, just a, a lover, not a fighter, 
something came out in him that I've not seen come out since I was writing with Pastor Rhonda. She also is, is in tune with that, that, that road rage. And, that, and, then, uh, and then Al and I were talking, and we both got on a roll and said things we shouldn't have said. And both of us said, Lord, forgive us for saying that. For anybody, Eric, can anybody relate to that? And especially if, if you get to hang in with somebody that likes to talk about people like you talk about people, then you have an audience. Then it's like, then it becomes a game. Then it's like, you know, you never know where the conversation is going to go from there. But at the end of the conversation, we had to say, Lord, forgive me for saying that, you know, she wasn't all really that fat. She wasn't really. And so we, we retracted and we repented. And I believe that the Lord forgave us. And you know what? You can say all you want. The devil uh, made me do it. I don't know about all that. But I want to talk about the uh, 1 John uh, 2 and 16 says, The things of the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those are the three areas that you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted in pleasure, in pride, in power. And that's the way he rolled. But the Bible says that when you are tempted, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 13, there is no temptation taken unto man that God is not able to deliver them from it. I was with Keith Dudley several years ago in Savannah, Georgia. I was sick. I was real sick. And I pretty much lived in the bathroom of a motel for three days, throwing up. And I remember one day, one moment I looked at Keith and I said, you know, Keith, the Lord said he would put more on you than you're able to bear. But I feel like that, that God has put more on me. I feel like I can't handle this anymore. Anybody ever felt like that? Man, I am at, I'm not just at the end of my rope. There is no knot to hang on to. I have lost it. And the Lord's saying, oh, you can handle this. You can handle that. Well, Lord, if I can handle so well, why don't you come down and handle some of it for me? And I should have said that from day one because he said to cast all your care on him because he careth for you. So the word promises you this day, no matter what temptation you're going through right now, no matter what you encounter tomorrow, what you encountered yesterday, you can handle it. You can take care of it because there's a hedge around you that God built around Job, a protection, and the enemy only has limited access to your file. Aren't you glad this morning? Limited access to your file. He can't read your mind. He can't read the mind of God. He can see God moving, and he become jealous and try to hinder you. But, but understand and realize that you can handle temptation. I heard someone say, I can handle anything but temptation. Have you heard that before? Uh, three of us. Good. I'm glad that we are on track today. So the Bible says there's no temptation. In Matthew 5 and 11 says, Blessed are ye when men persecute you and say all evil of men are against you falsely for my name's sake. So when you are accused and when you're being accused, the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. In the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, the devil was going to God. He was accusing God. You built a hedge around Job. I can't touch him. And why should he, why should he deny you? He's got it made in the shade. You've taken care of him. But you lower that hedge a little bit and let me mess around a little bit and let me see what I can do. And that's what he does. He's constantly accusing us before the things of God. But I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter what the enemy can find against me as evidence, when he takes it to the court of heaven, and he sends before God the judge, and he begins to tell God how wrong I am and how bad I am and how I failed and how I'm a loser and how I'm this and how I'm that. I'm so 
proud to tell you this morning, I could not afford a lawyer to represent me against the devil. There's not a lawyer in America that can stand in his court. But because I cannot afford a lawyer, one has been appointed me. I have a great high priest, which can not be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. He knows my case. He knows my heart. And my attorney, Jesus Christ, stands up and says, Your Honor, may I examine the evidence. And when the enemy takes the evidence and hands it to Jesus, Jesus looks at it and he holds it to his bosom just for a moment. Then he hands it back to God and God looks at the evidence and says, Devil, I don't know what you're trying to prove in my court, but all I see is blood. All I, hello, all I see is blood because there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Aren't you glad this morning when, we, when you are accused, God represents you and Jesus defends you? Amen. Deception. Galatians 6 and 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever we soweth, that shall we also reap. You've got to understand that if you're doing things in your life and you're expecting another outcome, a better outcome, stop doing the things you're doing and start doing something else. Do not be deceived into believing that everything's okay. Going to church once in a while is not okay. Tithing once in a while is not okay. Being involved in ministry once in a while is not okay. God blesses you to bless others. God raises you up and God blesses you so that your life can impact somebody else. God told Abraham, I'm going to allow you to be a blessing so that I'm, a, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And that's exactly the way that God rolls. He wants us not to be confused or deceived or seduced by the things of life, but he wants us to stay focused, stay planted, and get involved in what we are a part of. Every day we should get stronger. Every day we should grow. Every day we should acknowledge the faults in our life and, and repent of them and try to do better. Have you ever got up in the morning and said, okay, you know, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. But today I'm going to set out. I'm not going to say one bad word. I'm not going to think one bad word. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to rebuke anybody. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to think anything negative. I'm not going to think anything bad. I'm not going to be entertained by any lust. I'm not going to be tempted. I'm not going to accept any temptation. I'm going to walk holy for the Lord. And how many knows that lasted for about five minutes? So there really is none righteous, no, not one. So we need to do inventory of ourselves and realize there's areas in our life that we want to grow, we want to take care of, we want to deal with. And then you've got to purpose it in your heart. To be something you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. And if you want to grow closer to the Lord, we talked last week, it might be a good idea to open your Bible. I mean, just a thought, just a possibility, just a consideration. You might want to open your Bible and see what God's Word has to say about you and what God has for you if you will do the right thing. Ephesians 6 and 12, Paul says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against four orders of spiritual warfare. Principalities. I believe that every city of the world has a demonic principality attached to it. I believe that, I, I, I believe that and I can show you in the Word of God that's true. If you look at the city of San Francisco, you see the, 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 the principality of, of homosexuality. If you look at the city of Los Angeles, you see the principality of confusion. If you look at the city of Hollywood, you see the principality of perversion. 
If you look at the, if you look at the city of Knoxville, do you know that Knoxville is known for Satanism? If you look at the, at the area of Claven, you look at the, the, the principality of religion. There is a religious spirit in this city because we've got like 500 churches and 81 different denominations and everyone says this and everyone says that. And, and Al said it so well last night. What the, what the enemy does, he takes a truth and makes it the truth and builds his religion around it. And he's very good at that. And that's what we need to be aware of, that that's the way that the enemy rolls. He, there's a principality in every city. There's authority in every city. I told you before, the devil's not omnipotent. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere, and he's not all-powerful. So he can only be at one place at one time. I believe that there is a spiritual kingdom in Persia directly over Iran and Iraq, and I believe there is a demonic entity there called Satan that lives there. And I believe that he controls all of his principalities and powers through that headquarters. I don't know, and, and maybe once or twice, but I doubt that you've ever been tempted by the devil. I've ever, I doubt you've ever been bribed by the devil. It's probably a principality because the devil's got so much going on, tried to stop Jesus from putting his foot on the Mount of Olives because there's going to be an earthquake and a river and a kingdom established. That's his priority, but he has all these, these, these demon spirits that seem to know exactly how to bother us, bug us. And I, do you ever get tired of getting tripped up by the same thing? Is there anybody like, you know, you, 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 the devil threw something out, the, the enemy threw something out there, you tripped and fell, and you said, well, I should have seen that coming, and then it happens tomorrow. And anybody can relate to that? Because he's the God of familiarity. He knows you. He knows when you were born. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strength. And he will play on your weaknesses and try to get you to deny your strengths. That's the way that he rules. Principality, rulers of the darkness of this world. There is a ruler of suicide. There's a ruler of perversion. There's, there's a, there's a ruler, ruler of confusion. And the, so that's one of the entities that we're wrestling against. Spiritual wickedness in, in, the, in high places. And again, that's the order of the enemy to try to control the world. But Revelation 12 and 10 says, And they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. I'm here to tell you, every time you share your testimony, and your, your testimony may be, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. Don't look for me to be in the place I used to be. There's been a change in me. I found a better way. I found a better path. I found a better journey, and I am pursuing this journey. I'm pursuing this path. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there yet. God's still working on me, but hasn't he done a great work so far? So far? He healed me of this. He delivered me of that. He forgave me of this. He anointed me here. He blessed me here. He's financed me here. And as you begin to brag on the good things that God is doing in your life, it defeats the enemy because he cannot, he cannot come against a testimony. A testimony is a written fact. It's solid. It's in, the, it's in stone. God, I was here, and God came here and did this for me. That's a testimony. The enemy cannot fight. That's why your testimony is so powerful when you share it with someone else because they realize what you have is what they need and they can't find what they need they've looked for it the wrong places then all of a sudden they find someone that's partially sane and loves God and is cool to be around and doesn't backbite and gossip and criticize and all of that and they start getting jealous it's a good jealousy it's good when people see the God in you and they want to be like you 
I don't know where they're at now, but there was a family that had two sons, and they were very, the sons were very young at a time where the church was very young. And what was, uh, it was, it was precious and it was humorous, but the mom would dress the two younger boys in three-piece suit, three suits, and then she would call them Pastor Hank. And then they would come to church on Sunday morning, and they're probably only five, six, seven, eight years old, had their little three-piece three suits on and said, I want to be just like Pastor Hank. And I, I guess that was a compliment. I guess that uh, I actually still have a, uh, a uh, three-piece suit in my, in my closet. Maybe I should wear it sometime. But the Bible says we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. It was the blood that defeated the enemy. And as, again, as God, as the enemy came against Job and tried to hurt him and trying to wound him, Job stood in the fact that he knew he was and was persuaded that God was able to keep him. And when you feel like every area of your life you've dropped the ball, every area of your life you've messed up, well, that just, that's just a part of your story. That's just a part of your testimony. Your last setback is allowed to be your greatest comeback. What Job experienced was a major setback, lost everything. But look how God turned it around because he was faithful, because he did not give up, he did not quit. He continued on no matter how bad it got. And there's something about distress and tribulation. If you're going through it, it means that God is getting ready to promote you to a better place, a better anointing, a better favor, a better place to be. God's about to allow his fog to descend upon you and change your life. I asked Michael if he knew what fog meant. Of course, that's a trick question, but it's an acronym for favor of God. God's about to let his favor to fall upon you and walk with you and bless you for a while. How many says, man, I need all the fog I can get. And I'm not talking about vaping. I'm not talking about the fog machine. I'm talking about I really need fog in my life right now. Just let fog come on down and bless me and be a part of that. That's okay. James 4 and 7 says, resist the devil, and that resistance is physical, and he will flee from you. He cannot handle it, but when you begin to use the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that demons tremble. They are in fear. They, they, the trepidation, they lose all direction when they hear the name of Jesus because it was the name of Jesus that defeated them at Calvary, and it's the name of Jesus that defeats them every single day. Hello, do I have a friend in the house? Even in the Lord's Prayer. Let me back up a little bit. First John, First John 3 and 9 tells us where we're at right now. The whole world lieth in wickedness. I've never seen so much motivation concerning evil in any generation. There's actually a, a, an hour program every week now that's called Evil. And it deals with demonic possession. And it deals with, and it's producing it as if there really are demons and people really do get possessed. One of the worst movies of probably all time was The Exorcist. And we know as you follow the, the career of Linda Blair, she didn't have one because she was a, a child actor in that particular movie. Nobody else wanted to use her because every time they saw her, it reminded them of one of the most horrific scenes they'd ever seen in their life. But evil is here. There's a book called The Beautiful Side of Evil, where there are magicians that operate in black magic and dark magic, and they conjure things up, and they do things up. And the world is so fascinated by that. The guy that made the, L the uh, 747 disappear, uh, somebody else shout his name, David Copperfield, 
I mean, the things that he does, you think there's no way humanly possible that they could do that. But that's exactly how the enemy operates in deception. He will project things and he'll push things and he'll, he'll talk things and he'll try to get things involved in your life. And it's all a lie. But you know what? Ye shall know the, help me, truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus knew in the last days there would be evil. There would be bad people doing bad things. And, and, and it would be predominant and, and it would be consistent. Almost every time that Christine or, or even Courtney, when, when they would go out at night, I would say a prayer because the enemy walks, it works in darkness. When Pastor Ron and she was going to walk on the, on the, uh, the beltway or whatever, that, the greenway, that, that, that place that everybody goes to, whenever she goes out and it just almost does, I don't like, she'll tell you. I don't like her walking to her because in the darkness, that's when the enemy tries to manipulate and tries to hurt. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, deliver us from evil. In 1 Peter 5, and 5 8 and 9, we just shared that the Bible says that he's like a roaring lion. I was watching a few days ago. I was working in and out of the house on Christine's room, and I was watching Fiona. Uh, Fiona is, you heard of the horse with no name? We have a cat with many names. Her name is Miss Kitty. Her name is Fiona. Her name is, what's her other name? Callie. Callie. Well, that, that, that's, she's the cat of many names. But I was watching her a couple of days ago, and she was in a crouch, and she was completely still. She wasn't moving. And I told Ron, I said, there's a mouse. There's a mouse in that bush. And sure enough, a couple of days later, she comes and put the mouse on the porch. That's how sneaky they are. They lie in wait, ready to ambush you and ready to take you out. And a lion has a bad habit of marking his territory. And what a lion will do, he will stand up in the jungle and he'll take those powerful claws and he'll approach a tree and he'll stick those claws in that tree and he'll drag those claws down that tree and mark that tree and he'll mark four trees and that will be the north, south, east and west and that's his territory, that's his domain. I spoke with somebody this week in trouble, bad trouble. And I said, why don't you come to Cleveland, let's get a cup of coffee and talk about it. And he said, my wife won't let me come to Cleveland. I said, okay, is there a reason? He said, yeah, that's every time I go, I get drunk. Every time I go, I get high. Every time, and I had friends in my life when I got saved, I had to stop going there and I stopped communicating with there because there's a territorial spirit that wants to try to destroy me and hurt me and the enemy knows how to set me up. But when that, when that, when that lion marked that tree, Josh, and, and roared, let me tell you about another lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah that marked a tree called Calvary. And when he marked a tree called Calvary, he said to the world, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No matter what lions come roaring into your life, God can give you the ability to be a lion killer, a lion stomper. And like David, you can take that mantle, that, 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 you can take that, 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 help me, no, I want to I say head. You can take that head and put it on the mantle of your house and say, I killed a lion, I killed a bear, and God helped me kill a Goliath. God wants to take the Goliaths out in your life. He likes that. He's a God of interaction. He's a God of involvement. He wants to partner with you. And his attitude is, let's go get him. Let's go take him out. Let's go defeat this one that he will never raise his head against you again. I wish I had a friend in the house. Young church, young pastor, family, struggling, trying to make it. One day the wife went shopping, and Christine, she's like you. She didn't just shop, she bought. She brought jewelry, she bought makeup, she bought a beautiful dress, blouses, 
and she put it all in the bed. When her husband came home, he said, where in the world did these come from? She said, oh, I went shopping today, and I, and I bought them. He said, shopping? We don't have money for shopping. We're just barely making it. What in the world have you done? He said, well, look at this dress I got. It's beautiful. She said, yeah, it's beautiful. How much did it cost? She said, it cost $1,000. He said, $1,000? You've got to be kidding. Why in the world would you spend $1,000 on a dress when we're broke? And she said, the devil made me do it. She, he said, what do you mean the devil made me do it? He said, the devil told me I needed this dress. I look good in this dress. She said, he said, well, why didn't you do what Jesus did and say, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. And when he got back there, he said, it even looks good from the back. <laughs> did you get it? The word be soldier is a military term. It means to stand at attention. Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941. The Wine Islands was warned by a, it wasn't a text, it was a cable, that the Imperial Army had released a flight of planes, yet nobody did anything. And we all know the tragedy of Pearl Harbor. 9-11. Three of the four pilots learned how to fly here in America. Two of them, their visas had expired. They were on a watch list. But nobody watched, and nobody did a thing. The day after 9-1-1, the President of the United States created a program called Homeland Security. But now we listen, we watch, where we seek out those things that would hurt America. Every one of us need a Homeland Security where our eyes are wide open and we're sober and we're vigilant and we're watching for the snares and the tricks and the traps of the enemy. The enemy might try to, might try to trap you with a, with, a, with a dollar scratch card, without exception. If I'm behind somebody and they're buying a scratch card, I always ask them, did, did you win? Well, no, not this time. I said, well, did you win? No, well, no, not this time. I said, well, have you ever won? Well, yeah, there was a time in 1973 when I won and, and you know what, I'm not, are you preaching against scratch cards? I said, if you want to take $5 and have fun with it, go for it. But I don't think your groceries and your rent and your gas money should be used to buy a scratch card or, or, or get involved in any, any way in gambling. But that's how the enemy used a little, a little bait for a little bite to just barely snare you. And if he can snare you with the little things, then he'll, he will turn it into a monster that eventually will devour you. Can you prove it? Absolutely. In Genesis 4, he starts out as a little harmless garden snake. But in Revelation 12, he's a great roaring dragon. He feeds through 6,000 years of sin. And every time you sin, he eats that. It devours that. It makes him stronger. It makes him healthier. It makes him braver to come into your life and tempt you with things that there was a time when you would say to yourself, I never thought this would happen to me. How many? I never thought I would do this. I cannot... I, I, I said for years I wouldn't do this, or I wouldn't smoke that, I wouldn't drink this, or I wouldn't. But he started out with the little. The little foxes spoil the vines, and it's the little snakes that can hurt and bring pain. I was going to share that story, but I won't because we're running out of time. When Jesus said, watch and pray, that watch means focused. That watch means that you are protective of everything in your life. True story. I apologize to Chris and Susan. They probably heard this eight or ten times. But years ago, 
I think, Court, it would have been five or six. Rhonda and I went to, I believe, Hawaii. And uh, Courtney was staying with, I believe, Mama Kyle's. And uh, we called. And there was a friend of, of Courtney's that their dad wanted to take them to see uh, a movie. And I said, well, what movie is it? He said, well, it's Austin Powers. And I said, no. I don't want my daughter seeing that movie. I don't want her getting that, those, those. I hadn't seen the movie, but had heard of the movie. I said, no. I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want that door opening. I don't want to open that door. I want to leave that door shut. And she didn't go. And that family today are divorced. The oldest daughter walking in an alternate lifestyle. The youngest, the son, is a drug addict. You say, is it because they let their children go see Austin Powers? No. They open a door. And if the enemy gets his foot in the door, he'll keep pushing and pushing and pushing until he's got you. You need to be watchful. You need protective. I know that, I know that the girls, uh, and every once in a while, will go see a movie. And I haven't got a chance to tell Courtney and uh, Christine this, but I don't want you to go see The Joker. I don't want you to. See, you haven't seen it yet, have you? Oh my Lord! Al will, Al, Al will tell you. Al will tell you. Al will confirm. I told Al, Christine is not going to see this movie. I went home. Did I tell? What did I say to you? you? Oh, you told me that I shouldn't go see it. There was actually a military warning of clowns revolting and, and, and shooting and all that. Well, see, that's what's being... Pastor Ronald was trying to be protective of me. I ignored what she had to say. Now I have images in my mind from the Joker that I can never get rid of, probably. It's there. And now it's in Christine's brain. So we'll have to saturate it with praise and worship and sponge it and get all that stuff out there. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate to what I'm saying? Don't be intoxicated by the things of the world. Don't be fascinated by the things of the world. First Peter 4 and 1 says to guard your mind because that's where the battle takes place is in the mind. In the church of Sardis, Revelation, I believe the, third, the fourth chapter, the second verse, Jesus begins to talk about the church and here's what he says. You had a reputation of being awesome, but you've lost all that. And then he gives him a word of encouragement. Strengthen the things that remain. Bring back the things that remain. Matthew 24 and 12 said, In the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. There are people that used to attend church, you'd be part of the family of God, that they were on fire for God, but something happened, there was a distraction, or there was just something that, that kept them away from the things of God, and now they no longer have a hunger for the things of God. And the reason why, why Jesus encouraged this church, Sardis, to wake up and strengthen the things that remain, because Sardis was a city that was under attack. And, and the Sar Sardis was a city that there was a city in the city, 800 feet above sea level, and it was a fortress. And at the top of the city, there was a place called the Acropolis. And in that Acropolis, when anybody came against that city, all the inhabitants would rush up into the walled part of the city, and it was, in, it was impenetrable. You could not take it. You could not conquer it. And, and armies would come and try to conquer it. There was a guy by the name of Cyrus from Persia that said, I'm going to conquer this city. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this town. And they, day after day, week after week, month after month, to no avail did they conquer the city. So Cyrus makes a decree. 
whoever finds a way to capture the city will be a man of great wealth and power. And it put a little energy in the troops. They begin to watch the walls. They begin to look for a way to try to conquer it. And one day, Josh, as they were watching the walls of the city, they noticed that a helmet, a guard's helmet, fell over the wall and fell on the ground. And then a few minutes later, they saw what appeared to be a secret passage, Greg. And that soldier came out of that little passageway and grabbed the helmet and walked back in. That night, Cyrus and his army went through that secret passageway. And guess what? When they got on the other side of that, of that wall, no one was awake. Everyone was asleep. They were so sure that their city was secure that there was no guard. And that's why Jesus is telling us, wake up. Strengthen the things that remain. Go back to your first love. Go back to your first fruit. Get on fire for me again because the enemy is going to try to come in while you're asleep and try to destroy. The Bible says while men slept, the enemy sowed tares. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it in love, and so far I haven't been rebuked. But of the 4,500 Facebook friends I have, about 200 of them used to be a part of the church. They used to be a part of the things of God and used to, and used to be involved in ministry. And I'm very nice how I do it. Whenever they post something and I see it, I comment and say, your kids need to be in church. Listen, every child has the right to learn about Jonah and the whale. Every child needs to hear about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And if you don't come to church for any other reason and get your kids planted in the children's ministry, that's a good reason. Because they're learning the Word of God, the things of God. It's important that we don't get away from that, that we don't get distracted, or we don't get in the area of pursuing money that we work all the time, and we spend all of our health to get wealth, and we wear out our body, and at the end of life, we spend all of our wealth to get our health back. How many caught that? Several years ago, the city was captured the very same way, Josh. The very exact same way. Went in, secret passage, they were asleep, took the city, killed all the men, put all the women and children in slavery. And that's the way the enemy works. If he did it once, he'll try to do it again. Be sober, be vigilant, wake up, pay attention to what's going on because the enemy wants to destroy you if he can. But Luke 10 and 19 says, I give you power over all the tricks of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. We have that promise over serpents. A serpent is something that can bite you today or a scorpion. A scorpion is something that bit you yesterday. We have authority over the past hurts, the present, the future. We have authority over those things because, again, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But you've got to let him out. You've got to loose him. You've got to turn him loose on your problems. Turn him loose on your enemies. Turn him loose on your sickness. Turn him loose on your doctor's report. Turn him loose on your checkbook. Turn him loose on the circumstances of your job. Turn God loose. God wants to get him fall. Turn him loose and let him do what God does. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul said, Do you not realize that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you? Your body is a temple of the Most High God. Psalms 34 and 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that love him. The angel of the Lord encamped about. Do you know how powerful an angel is? One angel. Hezekiah was in trouble, and they were fighting Assyria. And the odds were a thousand to one, and they were in trouble. And Hezekiah prayed and got the attention of God. Uh, Isaiah shows up, Isaiah 34 shows up and says, because you've prayed, 
God is going to fight your battle for you. And that night, one angel, the Bible says, defeated and killed 185,000 Assyrian warriors. And the next day when the sun came up, all they saw was almost 200,000 corpses. Well, in that day, they had no banks, they had no strong boxes, so they took their wealth with them to battle. And it took, the, it took God's people three days to gather up the spoil that the enemy had left laying there. That's how God does. He takes the wealth of the wicked, he defeats the wicked in your life and gives you their wealth and their opportunity to do good. I need another friend that would say amen in this house. First is John 5 and 4 says... This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is a gift. Keep faith is a fight. It's a fight of faith. The opposite of faith is fear. And through fear, we have discouragement, frustration, doubt, worry, concern, all those things. Several years ago, UCLA was playing Georgia Tech. And the last minutes of the first half, a guy by the name of Roy Rickles recovered a fumble. And Linda, he picked up the ball and started running towards the goal line. The challenge was, and everything that went down, Aaron, he got confused and he was running towards the wrong goal line. And one of his teammates chased him down and caught him on the one-yard line. And they didn't, they didn't score a touchback. In the locker room, Roy sat off by himself, had a towel over his head, the coach encouraged the team and then called out the starting list. And lo and behold, Roy's name was on the starter list. The team went out. Roy stayed in the, in the, in the locker room. The coach walked up to Roy and said, Roy, what's going on? He said, he said, Coach, I've lost the game. I've dropped the ball. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed to go back out there. And the, and the coach said, Roy, the game's only half over. You've got the rest of the game to win this, to win this game. Went back out. They turned things around, won the game. Many of you can relate. I'm sure Chris immediately re recognizes the name if I'm saying it right. He went on to be a college coach, and then there was a season in his life when he was the number one sought-after speaker, the, uh, what am I looking for, motivational speaker in the land because he had picked up the fumble, ran the wrong way, lost a battle, but won the war. We're going to lose some battles. We're not going to win them all. There's going to be some... There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some frustration. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that our formula wants it to go. But God always turns it around. He works everything for our good. That's the promise that we have. So no matter what setback you've got, no matter what bit of bad news you've got, no matter what habit you're struggling with, God has the ability to turn it around and change it and promote you in the area that he wants you promoted. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed just for a minute. We realize that the devil is a sly old fox. If we could catch him, we'd put him in a box. We'd lock the box and throw away the key for all the tricks he's played on me. I realize we can't do that. But we can operate with the armory and the power that you've given us. We don't have to believe or repeat every negative word. We don't have to believe every negative thing that's spoken or said. And we don't have to get us stuck in a rut where we're at. We have the ability, as that 
lamb bursts out of that stall on the first day of spring. We have the ability to burst out walking in your word and worship and operating your authority and your power. We're not asking you for big things, but we're asking you for little things one at a time. Help us with this. Let us get stronger here. Take this away from this. Turn, turn us loose on this. Allow us to begin to grow. Allow us to be healthy. Allow us like the church of Sardis to wake up, strengthen the things that remain. Yeah, we may have won, lost a battle or two, but you won the war at Calvary. And because you won the war at Calvary, we too can push on. We can press on. And the same spirit that came and ministered to you on the cross is the same spirit that comes and ministers to us. Allow us to grow. Allow us to be healthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you enjoy the word today? We're glad that you.